Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and I decide that in light of everything going on in our world, maybe we could hear the words of Mr. Rogers again. So we're calling this the one where we revisit Fred Rogers. You also learn about this catchy intro music. So why don't you sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey Michael, how's it going this week? It's going well, Nate. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing much better this week. I think last week I was kind of a bummer to record with. <laughs> I, I'm worried that I'm a bummer to record with a lot of times. I tend to have a, a cynicism or a uh, lamenting spirit about me from time to time. Some might even call it a complaining spirit. I would rather go with lamenting after okay. having known you. <laughs> I think you bring a lot of joy to the world. So. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I... Uh, yeah, sometimes you just need a little new perspective, and I think over the weekend, uh, throughout the week, I was able to get that, and I feel much better about life these days, and uh, even than last week, so I think that's part of why we, as we talked about last week, we persevere, so yeah, my son was down uh, in San Marcos last week visiting Maggie, and uh, they seemed to have a good time. He bought me back, brought me back some Summer Moon coffee, and I drank it this morning. There you go. Well, then that thought was, of you guys. That was worth his trip, then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was some good stuff. Good coffee. Some really good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Noah got a different one, so we've been sharing and sharing alike. There you go. We have a little coffee bar going at the house now. Hey, it's, nice. It's nice. Nice. I got some. Got our uh, pour over and Summer Moon coffee. Well, I, you know, Maggie and I are both fans of uh, comedians and cars getting coffee oh me too and so i bought maggie some lavazza those italian porcelain uh yeah coffee cups uh, with saucers i bought her a set of six of those for her birthday made her cry uh, that's yeah a, that's always a win when somebody opens your gift and they they cry uh, that was a great gift, by yeah. the way. Well, she, did, she didn't see it coming, and she had thought she was being crafty, and she thought she was going to get me some for Father's Day, but I beat her to the punch because her birthday was on June 1st. And, uh, and so then she, for Father's Day, ordered me some Lavazza coffee beans um, and a grinder. And so we've been grinding the beans and putting them through a, a, a coffee maker and... Um, and drinking them out of our Lavazza cups. So we're not comedians in cars getting coffee by any means, but we do have tend to be theologians sipping coffee in the living room or at the, <laughs> you know, or whatever, whatever, whatever we are. There's probably some comedy and laughter involved there. I mean, maybe not professional comedy. Well, for those who don't watch that show, that's a, that's a frequently used coffee cup. It yeah. It was funny because she showed me the cup yeah. that she got 
And I was the only one in my family that immediately knew, <laughs> knew, knew exactly what it was. Comedians in cars <laughs> getting coffee. And I will have to admit that our intro music is heavily influenced by the intro to Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee because I, I looked up one of my old students who does like music and makes beats for people for a living and puts them out there on SoundCloud for people to buy. And I said, can you do one that feels kind of jazzy like Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee? And he came up with our intro music from that kind That's of That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we're heavily influenced on this show. <laughs> Uh, there you go. So, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, something that I recognized right off. And uh, what a great gift, man. I am not that good of a gift giver. I'll tell you what, my family, they were bragging on themselves. My, my birthday's tomorrow. I know you know that. But they were bragging on themselves about the last two gifts they've got me have been really, really good. And, and they really have. So uh, they're going to have to up the ante tomorrow. I mean, it, they got... <laughs> They've they've kind of outdone themselves, there and so yeah. I think uh, they may they may have to. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but but for Father's Day they got me the the Mister Rogers stuff that I love. I told you about last week, and then a, yeah. a drill set, which I was the only man in my family. Not that women can't have drill sets, but my wife doesn't care about that kind of stuff. Um, I was the only one of us that didn't have a drill set. So when Tyler moves out, I'm not going to have anything to work on. <laughs> projects with and so um they they made sure to write that that wrong this time uh, not that it was a wrong but to make sure i was taken care of beyond when tyler lives with yeah. us so i've been using that already uh in my little projects around the house so so the tool yeah. the tool deficit has been brought into balance there is what i was trying to say justice go. yeah <laughs> the balance the scales have been balanced there you go yes. there you go um, I, I probably owe Tyler a battery pack, though, because we have worn out his. Uh, it's his, but I use it probably as much as he does, uh, unless he gets on a project and then he'll get going with it. But, yeah. So. Well, uh, Jonah had a project for he and I this week. He came home from a friend's house, um, and they had a washer board, you know, a, a board with three holes in it. Yeah. And, um, and he decided, Dad, 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 Dad. We, we can make this. We can make this. So I said, son, you know, it's going to, I can buy one online for $90. And he said, no, dad, right. dad, we can, we can make it for $40. We can make it. You, I just, let me tell you, you can't, unless you already own all the tools. Right. You cannot make it because you can't make it for $40 because the four inch hole saw that you need is going to cost you somewhere right. around $30 uh, just, yeah. just for that one piece to cut a, a big enough and if you go to the store you know they're gonna have those washers that are good for pitching and they're not gonna right. be powder coated they're just gonna be raw metal and then you're gonna walk up and you're gonna you're gonna get those washers but then you're gonna see the powder coated ones and you're gonna be like I would rather throw the powder coated ones because they're all smooth and they'll they'll hit the board right. just right you know and then and then you got to pick the carpet just right so anyway we spent way more than forty dollars on uh on making those but can i tell you that i think i probably would have paid a whole lot more just for the time that i got to spend with jonah building them uh we had a good yeah. time made it a, a project one day this last week well and, uh, yeah so, and that's part of the fun of all that oh, yeah. is just but, getting to but we wore out that uh that little cordless drill that i have um you know it just those batteries yeah. cannot drill a four inch hole 
um, or cut a four inch hole with a four inch hole saw uh, without yeah. without overheating. So they're they're good devices, but uh, yeah, you're gonna need a lot of those battery packs. So that might be his next birthday present. Might need to consider. I that. still have a plug-in drill for stuff like that, though, where uh -huh. I know it's just gonna tear it apart. Yeah. I have an old skill drill that I got years ago, but you have to have the cord with it, so yeah. it makes it a little, little more frustrating if you're working out in the yard or somewhere. So. Yeah, I loaned one out. Yeah. I loaned mine out, and it never came back to me, and now I can't remember who I loaned it to. So if you're listening to the podcast and you know that you borrowed my drill, I need it back. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> that's like me and books. I loan <laughs> yeah. out books and I have no idea where they ended up. And I had somebody approach me not too long ago and say, I still have that book of yours. And I was like, oh, I actually yeah. was going to let somebody borrow it and I couldn't find it. And I just thought I lost it because I lose things enough. I think I but sent, I'm also last bad about returning here. books. Last time you were here, I think I sent one home with you. Uh, Adventures and Missing the Point. Did I give that back? Uh, I don't know. Because I, I do have a copy, I think yeah. so. Yeah, I have. Yeah, a, probably uh, so. I I've, I know that I've had your copy for years and years. Um, it's <laughs> it's gone to two different houses with me, so it's all good. Uh, I think I borrowed it when I lived in Borger, Texas, which was a long time ago. But yeah, I had anyway. somebody who also I had borrowed their book, and you know, it went through our fire and everything, and they were like, "Do you still have that book?" And I was thinking, "Oh yeah, I did borrow it, and I just returned it." When I went over to borrow a keyboard for our church from the same person, and I was like, hopefully the keyboard gets back before the book did. Yes. Like that book was like three years ago. So, uh -huh. yeah. Well, speaking of books, you said you got about, you, you got a Mister Rogers book for yeah. um, for Father's Day, and it's a book that I've had. I think I got it uh, for a birthday or Father's Day one year, um, and uh, I actually have a couple of Mister Rogers books because. I'm somewhat infatuated with Fred, just to be honest with you. And um, yeah, me too. And I think we've talked I, about that before. So I thought maybe we should do some revisiting Rogers. Um, yeah, that sounds like fun today. And uh, and there's a quote that he has in one of these books. One of this book is called "The World According to Mister Rogers: Important Things to Remember" by Fred Rogers. And uh, it's just quotes, and it says. Uh, uh, this is from an uh, excerpt from The Courage to Be Yourself. And it says, The child is in me still, and sometimes not so still. Which, <laughs> which I kind of feel the I feel the weight of that one, but uh, I just thought that was a fun one. But this one says, the one I really wanted to read to you today was, Little by little, we human beings are confronted with situations that give us more and more clues that we aren't perfect. Yeah. Wow. More and more clues that we aren't perfect. You know what I think about is uh, I think about when Jesus is standing with the woman caught in the act of adultery. And the scripture is pretty clear that he says, you know, if you are without sin, cast the first stone. And, it, and it's really, you know, it's really sure to say there in that scripture that the older ones went away first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I think. I think that's very true that the longer we live, the more we realize that we also have that same fault, that same sin. Right. right. We we know we know ourselves better than we did when we were younger, or maybe we're just more willing to admit to ourselves the faults that we have. And so in that story it's interesting that the older people go away first because they have realized that they are not perfect. And uh right. 
I think there's some freedom in realizing that. I think there's a lot of things that happen when we realize that we we have our shortcomings and our failures, sure. and sure. and then we're willing to repent and and to actually verbalize that because then I think what we realize is we realize empathy for others who also aren't perfect, but we also we realize that we're really all. I mean, we're just all in need of grace. Like there's yeah. no other oh, yeah. option for us but grace. Yeah. If grace doesn't show up, we're in trouble. Right. I, I think, um, you know, John Green wrote a book called uh, The Fault in Our Stars, uh, which yeah. is very popular. But uh, I, I think I'd like to see a book called uh, The Fault in Our Agenda. Um, <laughs> and I, I think uh, I think maybe... Some, my agenda has no fault. This, well, that see, that's and that's precisely you've hit right on what I'm getting at is um, people. That's what people think, and and I remember, and some of it has to do with youth, but there seem to be some uh, people who've made it to maturity, uh, at least age wise, yeah. that still hold oh. on to this idea that that their that their agenda is faultless. I think right. I, we've commented on this, and maybe we've said this before, but I'll say it again because I, I think it bears repeating. I think that I could vote for somebody. Uh, I'd be more ready to vote for um, for someone who would stand in the podium and say, "You know what? I messed that one up. That was a bad decision." Yeah. I, you know, here's here's the problem: is I don't know the answer. We've got a team of experts who are advising us, but the truth is, is those experts really don't know the answer either. And we're working towards a good solution that will be equitable for everybody. But uh, the problem is, is that ever we've got a lot of political agenda and thing. And just be real honest: if somebody did that, I mean, it'd blow us all away. Or what if we even realize that sometimes there's not one answer? There's not that an will answer. Work. There's not an answer. Like, like these, these issues are so complex that no matter what is decided, and that's part of being in leadership, right? Mm -hmm. You, you as a leader, you make decisions. And when you make decisions as a leader, you know that there will be people who are upset either way. Yes. That there, there's never going to be a perfect solution that makes everyone happy. Mm -hmm. and, and the best thing we can do is do the best for as many people as possible. Yeah. Because someone's going to be upset either way. I, You know that quote about, uh, I don't know if you've seen the quote, and it goes around on memes and stuff, but, you know, if you, if and it's about pastors, but if if you want to be a pastor, if you want to make everybody happy, don't be a pastor, just go sell ice cream. Because that's the only way. And then you got my wife who doesn't eat ice cream, so you still won't make her happy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Years and years ago, there was this lady uh, who attended this church that we were serving, and uh, she always had, her name was Rachel. Rachel has since passed away. Um, mm. She had a stroke that uh, that uh, uh, put her in bad shape, and then she eventually just um, couldn't, her body couldn't, couldn't keep going. But Rachel always carried a bag of candy around. Like, she came to church with a bag of candy. And I remember one time, my friend JJ, he's been a guest on the show, he came to visit and uh, and as he was leaving, he said, I said, uh, you know, well, you take care and, uh, you know, we all be safe getting home. And he said, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting home because I'm going to go to the candy store and get a big bag of candy. And I'm going to carry yes. it around like Rachel did because every time I saw Rachel, I smiled. And I want people to smile when they see me. So, yeah, if you want to make everybody happy, uh, you know, open a candy store. 
Um, but yeah. e- even then, you know, you're not going to carry the right candy because somebody's going to be mad at you because they got cavities. Right. You know, they all got cavities. But, but <laughs> yeah, you'll have that one parent that we always had in the PTA that, you know, says we can't feed these kids any sugar. They need to eat celery. <laughs> they need to eat celery. <laughs> so you might not make everybody happy no, even if you're carrying a bag of yeah. candy. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think I think what we're getting at um, is that it would be great, but conventional wisdom says that you don't admit your faults, that if you do that, you'll be seen as weak as a leader. And I think, you know, I've even talked to people who's who have grown up in the church, and, and back in the day, that was even a posture that pastors took sometimes was – was you don't let them see your faults. You're the leader. You're the spiritual kind of shepherd or whatever. And right. so you need to be strong. You need to always have faith. You need to. And, and so that kind of carried over. And I've actually had people in my congregation have said, one thing that's different about you than I remember in church growing up is you'll tell us when you're struggling with things and when you're, you <laughs> yeah. don't have it figured yeah. out. And when you, you feel like inadequate in this teaching that you're trying to teach and when it's preaching to you, you know, and, and I think I'm glad that that has been a, a transformation that's happened in the ministry. Sure. Um, sure. I, think, I was taught yeah. it. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was just, I was just to say, I think that's the responsibility of the maturing Christian person to, to yeah. go, to go to that place. But you were, you were saying, well, I was just going to say, I'm glad that when I was going through school, one of the things they taught us was that you hold up the word of God and we all stand under it pastor and congregation yeah, absolutely. included. Absolutely. And it's the word of God that, that ministers through the spirit of God that, that, that rebukes us and corrects us. It's not that one of us has it figured out and comes and shares the knowledge with everybody uh-huh. else. Right. Because it's the spirit of truth that is teaching the truth. And there are weeks where I need to hear it more than the people that I'm preaching to. Yeah. And I've been hearing it all week long. They may get it for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning or 45 if I go uh-huh. long, but... I've been hearing that voice all week say to me, you need to listen here and you need to, you need to pay attention to this in your life. And so, so I do think that recognition of fault, uh, recognition that even those places that we would want to hide can become beautiful places when redemption gets a hold of them. Sure. And they can actually minister to other people who also go through some of those same doubts and fears and struggles and worries and uh, so they can actually become gardens for for new life, the places we thought were dead, you know. So. Yeah, I think uh, Fred Rogers actually speaks to this in a quote um, that I have right here in front of me. It says, I must be an emotional archaeologist because I keep looking for the roots of things, particularly the roots of behavior and why I feel certain ways about certain things. Uh, yeah. And, and just the responsibility... Uh, as a Christian person um, to, you know, find the fault in our agenda. Why do I feel so certain about this thing that doesn't, doesn't seem so certain to everyone else, you know? And so, uh, and and it makes room for other people to have an opinion for other people to have a different perspective than us. And I think that's so, that's so important, but I I love the idea that he said, I must be an emotional archeologist. I always, I need to always be exploring why I'm behaving and thinking the way that I am. Yeah, one of the things I love about Fred Rogers is is that that is, and I think it goes back to your the drum you like to beat a lot called lament, <laughs> but um, but like 
feeling your feelings. Yes. Like being an emotional yes. archaeologist means not not you know downplaying your feelings. As I've been reading through his little book that I got on Father's on Father's Day, um, you know the one thing he says is feel your feelings. Like you got to be able to talk about this stuff. You got to be able to be real that you actually are angry or hurt or frustrated. Um, because if you don't, then those things like, like become places in you that you can't admit there's fault, like or you can't admit there's pain. And so you just kind of spew venom on the rest of the world if you're not able to acknowledge the pain in yourself. Sure, so, sure. And and yeah. on that same drum. Emotional archaeologist. Mar- emotional like archaeologist. Because if we're not, then just pain uh, without lament just turns to bitterness, you know. Yeah. And and that's I think that's what we're facing a lot in our society right now is that we really haven't given serious voice to pain. We, we've... Any kind of pain that gets swept under the rug, uh, just it gets it gets uh, repetitious. It gets bitter. Um, it, yeah, it, and then it recycles back up yeah. in times of stress. And so, giving serious thought to people's concern, I think Jesus tells us to do this in prayer. All right, He tells the story of the uh, the widow and the unjust judge, right, and says um, she just kept going back to it until it got serious. Listen. Until until right. uh, the unjust judge was really willing to grant her justice against her adversaries, she kept returning to it, and I think there's there's some value to that 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 God actually permits us to repeat our pain. There's there's times in that in the Old Testament, especially in some of the prophets, where where pain is is recycled and recycled and recycled until it is heard. And then uh, there's actually a time when one of the prophets says, you, you're right, you have suffered. You have suffered. You've suffered greatly. As a matter of fact, there's probably no one who has suffered quite the same way you have. And when that is acknowledged, uh, it just it does a wonder. Uh, that in itself becomes a reparation, if you will, um, just the acknowledgement of pain. Yeah, and it seems kind of strange um, that... that expressing it would lead to such healing um but but it does it's like i think sometimes we have all these thoughts about what might happen if i were honest about this or if it might overwhelm us or it might make people think about us a certain way but generally what it does is it it brings empathy and so not being able to feel our own pain and then also that leads to us not being able to feel other people's pain yeah um, either. So. Yeah. Fred would say With- the world needs a sense of worth and it will achieve it only by its people feeling that they are worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a responsibility of the minister, but I think that's the responsibility of every Christian person. I think it's actually the responsibility of every person. Uh, I think that's God's agenda, is that we would see each other as worthwhile. Yeah, and unless I feel worthwhile about who God has created me to be, it's really hard for me to see anyone else as worthwhile because, um, you know, 
we tend to give our own self the benefit of the doubt, but if we don't believe that we're worthwhile, then we don't see God's creation in general and then our neighbor as worthwhile either. So there's, there's so much in that I think we could, we could unpack as far as um, self-worth, but also leads to, as we understand who we are in Christ, it leads to understanding who others are. Um, and how they relate to us, and how we're all really connected in Christ. Um, even if people don't claim the title Christian, they are created in that image of God. So, yeah. man, so much that we could learn from Fred Rogers, and I'm glad this little uh, book that, that that we got, that you've had, and that I got for Father's Day, uh, kind of is bringing it out. I've got one for you, and I think this is a good one for our time right now. The media, and we could add in these days, and Facebook, shows the tiniest percentage of what people do. There are millions and millions of people doing wonderful things all over the world, and they're generally not the ones being touted on the news. Absolutely. Like if we could see, if we could see our enemies giving their kids, their their young children, a bath and putting them in their pajamas and putting them to bed, if we could see that scene. If we can see the good the the bedtime story being read, or the meal being provided, or the band aid being applied uh, to the boobie, right. or or learning to ride a bike, or you know uh, the father daughter dance at the wedding, if we could see yeah. if we could see our uh, those that we have assigned as villains, um, if we could see that happen, it'd be so much harder for us to uh, to condemn. I think. Yeah, that's like it's interesting that one of the movements that's come out in during COVID is uh, this some good news that John Krasinski <laughs> threw yeah. out there, you know, and Absolutely. then then encouraged other people to do their own some good news. And my my own intern here, Noah Terry, started with his mom at their church. I watched. I it. think they're on episode twelve yeah, or something now. They just fun. keep going. So every week they do some good news and. Uh, you know, those are also just microcosms of all the good things that are going on in the world. I, I think last week we talked a little bit about Bruce Almighty, and since I just rewatched <laughs> it, I was reminded at the end, you know, he's like, um, you know, like winning the lottery or praying to win the lottery or whatever is not, not a, that's not a miracle. It's just a magic trick. But a miracle is like a single mom taking care of her kids, and, yeah. and he goes on yeah. this whole long list of things Absolutely. or, you know, somebody caring for their aging parents or I don't remember the list that he goes into, but there are miracles around us all the time. There are things that are going on in this world. There are people um, who are loving one another well, and there are people, you know, in spite of all of those faults we talked about at the beginning, um, who are seeking out the best um, for others and not themselves. There are people giving up their place at the table so others can have a seat. I mean, we, we see this kind of stuff all the time in little ways, but I think so many times we get focused on the one or two things that we're being told all the time that are wrong. And, uh, and that's one of the things I do. I love about Fred Rogers as well as the, the optimism that, and I think Christianity is supposed to give us a hopeful optimism, even in the midst of some dark and, and difficult times. So, yeah, I thought that was a good one too. So, yeah, um, I just, I think probably the struggle really is figuring out how to be faithful 
in the middle of uncertainty um, and how to how to be you know that requires being honest about how you feel about the struggles that you're having but it also uh, it also has to do with an unwillingness to dwell there uh, yeah and I think that's hope I think that's what hope actually is hope is an unwillingness to dwell in the despair um, I'm you know I know that things are bad I'm not blind to it I'm not foolish I'm not naive I see how bad it is um, but I'm gonna hope and and I'm gonna I'm gonna look to a future uh, this week we had virtual camp right so on South Texas, oh, yeah. South Texas, we did virtual camp, and it was really, uh, you know, weird. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they had game night, and like they had pizzas delivered to people. Like if you won That's at game awesome. night, they would they would call in a pizza for you and have it delivered to your house or whatever. Yeah. You know? um, it was, it I, you know, the young people. It was uh, Andrea and Kenneth Laver, who are the youth pastors at. Uh, uh, Houston yeah. First Church and wonderful. Kids. I know those people. Yeah, they got married um, while at Southern Nazarene University. Love them. Um, you know, she is the uh, she's the child of immigrants, and we love her. And so, uh, anytime I have a, someone make a negative comment about immigration things, I, I always think of just how valuable this young lady and her family have been to the church in South Texas. Right. And uh, yeah. what a blessing they are, and how glad I am that they are here, um, and how what a struggle it has been for them to be here. But she is just, um, they are they're both delightful. They are fun. Uh, as a matter of fact, Chuck, his daddy, was the right was the youth pastor at Fort Worth First just before you were. Yes, I followed Chuck, yeah. and the first thing somebody said to me was, "Well." You've got big shoes to fill here. That's the first thing somebody said when I when I started at Fort Worth first. Yeah. And and Chuck's not a big huge guy. No, so if you've ever met Chuck, yeah, yeah. So so obviously they were talking about just his ministry and uh, his just the good work he had done there, and really did set me up to have a great ministry there in Fort Worth. And so yeah, I got a lot of love for the Lover family and uh, Andrea. I've kind of known through. Other people, I don't know her really well personally, but, you know, that's my nephew's youth pastors. So right. my brother leads worship there. So, yeah, I've heard only really good things about the work they're doing. So, yeah, so virtual camp, huh? And they, they were so good at game night. You know, I thought, oh, this is going to be silly. But, man, they did a great job. Kids were calling in from all across the district. They, they did it like a that's game great. show. It was really uh, well done. You know, we had several sermons presented we had the the fort uh, or the the pastor um matt rice mm -hmm. at uh, san antonio first uh, a lot of people might know him but he's a great man just love him to death and he uh he invited a uh, uh mixed race couple uh who are part of his congregation a black man and a white woman who are married and he invited them into a conversation about the difficulties of being a part of the church and addressed some mm. of the the racial inequity and discord uh, that we're experiencing as a nation. And, you know, this man, I mean, he said lots of powerful things. But at one point he said, yeah, when I became an usher or a greeter, um, it was hard. Because, you know, every, every, all the other greeters were white and they got hugs and I didn't. 
and uh, hmm. you know and Matt got to address that as the pastor of the church and in front of a congregation of students who are dealing with this issue and he was it was raw and real and beautiful that they were having the conversation at all and and dealing with the pain and I was just really impressed with that but uh, one of the speakers after after he was done speaking which it wasn't live it was all pre-recorded so I just was texting right. him while his sermon is going on I'm texting him on the points that he's making and I'm just saying hey Joe uh, his name's Joe and uh, I said Man, I'm just I miss you. It's it's good to hear your voice. It's good to see your face, even if it's pre-recorded. Um, and we had a conversation back and forth. And at the end of it, I said, I look forward to a day when we'll all be together in one place. And right then, it just right. struck me that that's what hope is. I look forward yeah. to a day when we'll be all all together in one place. And so then I have to decide what's my part in it. Right, and so then my agenda, right, my agenda becomes what's my part in us all being together in one place? How do we get to that? How do we get to a place where we can all coexist, where we can all get right. get along, uh, where we can be at peace? Because peace is more than just an absence of war. It's it's you know uh, figuring out how to get along within the context of diversity. You it's know. kind of wholeness. It's being whole. It really is complete. Shalom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, my favorite definition of hope, and I may have shared this years ago when we talked, but uh, no one remembers that anyway by now. So, um, is that we we see the the God who has been faithful in our past, and we project that onto the future. Yeah. So so it it comes yeah. with through faith, realizing the faithfulness of God. My wife, my wife has a pet peeve, and she'll she'll <laughs> laugh about this, but. Yeah. She hates the song, He Never Has Failed Me Yet. Yet, right. Because to her, that is not hopeful. To her, that says, maybe someday yeah. He's gonna, God will yeah. fail me. He's going to fail me. And, and so she's, you know, when we project hope, it's it's we, we look back and we can all do this. We can say, God was with me here. God was with me here. I was worried there and God came through. I can see God's hand at work in this. Right. And then we project that onto the future and we say, even though things are uncertain right now, we believe that God will be with us in the future. And ultimately, the Christian hope even projects that on past our lifetime into our death. Yes. And says, because Christ was raised, because Christ's life re-entered Christ's body, we believe life will re-enter our bodies and we will be raised too to be with Christ. Right. And that we will be whole and complete. And have that peace that ultimately is what this is all heading towards. Yeah, which you know, uh, Fred Rogers talked a lot about this, and 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 I agree with him wholeheartedly. The value of sharing uh, memories um, is so, yeah. and, and even having a shared memory is so valuable because that's really that's where intimacy takes place is in the sharing yeah. of memory. Um, I tell you who I am and what has shaped me. And then I listen while you tell me who you are and what has shaped you, and then yeah, and, and and then we move from hate to love, or we move from indifference to love, uh, and and sometimes right. we have to take some stopping points at simply appreciation, right? Right. And sometimes for some people it's very hard for us to get to love uh, of the other, and so we just hang out in appreciation. But appreciation is so much better than hate. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, and I, I love what you say about 
you know, the intimacy is the sharing of stories and a shared story. Uh, one of the things that as a youth pastor, I would always tell people I was training or whatever is, you know, a retreat is like putting a relationship in a microwave because um, <laughs> because you're going to yeah. share life. You're really going to share life down from like when you get up in the morning to when you go to bed at night and when you're laying on the bunk and the kids won't be quiet. Or, you know, when you're on the way right. and the van has a flat tire. And usually it's those things that bring you closer together. So it's sometimes the, the bumps in the road that actually Absolutely. actually give you the shared story. Sure like it is. We walked through this together. We sat on the side of the road in 110 degrees and waited for a tow truck. And, and we, we made up some stupid game to play while we were Absolutely. waiting. Absolutely. And that's yeah. the best part of the trip. One of the best trips we were ever on was when we ran out of gas. We thought... We had enough gas in the van to get the like three miles to the to the gas station that was on the sign, and we were like, "Okay, we can make it to this one." And so uh, we passed one that looked a little sketchy, so that we could get to right. the one that we knew was the one we were headed towards, the one we all remembered, and um, and we ran out of gas uh, with a, with one overpass in between us, and had to oh, wow. had to end up walking. Well, I walked, uh, left my sponsors there with a van full of teenagers, and me and a, one of, it may have been Brent Green, I don't know, I, <laughs> come to think of it, um, and we walked to get uh, some gas, just to get us, enough to get us to the gas station, and when I got back, they had recorded an episode of The Real Life. Do you remember Real Life <laughs> from, on MTV? And they had they had set up, they had hung beach towels all inside the church van and made a and made a, a, a set and then you know recorded each other telling you know well we're out here in the middle of nowhere because Michael doesn't know how you know just like yeah. like like the testimonials that go on right. and it was so it was so funny and they were but they got to express their angst in a humorous yeah. way and it was just right. you know Shelly was the kind of the sponsor in charge I believe on that one and uh, and it was just a brilliant moment of but you never forget the trip no remember that and you time? don't remember all the other stuff you did no they, I don't even know where we were going like I couldn't yeah. tell you where we were going but I remember that moment of how we made you know lemonade yeah. out of the lemons and, so maybe that's where we, we come back around. We're, we're getting close to the end of this podcast. And you think about everything we talked about. And maybe it's in our faults and in, in our frailties and in the messes and in the COVID and in the tension in the streets yeah. that we can, if we will, keep hope and write a better story. Write a better story, yeah. And maybe there's something we'll remember and it won't be all the other stuff, but it'll be the thing that happened in the middle of it. Yeah. It'll be the, because I remember we had a similar thing. A kid decided to throw a snowball at our van, which happened to be an ice ball. Oh, gosh. And he hit the window and put the window out. And I, you know, that was, <laughs> to this day, the money for the window, I don't care about. The funny thing was, one of the sponsors drew a mountain range on the inside of the piece of cardboard. So that we would have the mountain view on the way home because there was no window <laughs> there. Was no window. So so we have uh, yeah I have etched in my mind this this oh, this great. marker drawn on mountain uh, range yeah. on the inside of the van. And so uh, man, in the midst of everything, uh, we need to 
let Fred teach us a little bit about being real with our feelings. Sure we do. Uh, about accepting our faults. And then maybe about even it's the journey where we learn 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 the value we 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 improvise sometimes here's here's one i want to read to close um well i lost it that's great look at that <laughs> i just lost it well what do you as a relationship matures you start to see that just being there for each other is the most important thing you can do oh wow just being there to listen and be sorry with them to be happy with them and to share all that there is to share. Amen. So, not answers. As you're in the midst presence. of this, yeah. Yeah. And in the ways that we can be there to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. right now. Absolutely. So. Hey man, I love you. I'm glad I get to be with you and I I take it next week you're going to be on vacation. I am. We're going to go to Colorado uh, and and to a valley in Colorado that we like to go to with our family and there's some good trout fishing and it gets cool in the evenings and we have a campfire and um yeah it's just you just missed brent this year i know last year i know know. y'all ended up there he was he just came home he was there at the same time and and uh his family has gone there for years and years and years but yeah um, he just came back and showed up sunday morning at church i wasn't expecting him kind of surprised us so i get to hang out with him a little bit sunday afternoon so uh yeah well have a great time Unless I go rogue and just grab a special guest and record without you, we'll we'll do another one in a couple of weeks here. So that sounds, have, that sounds enjoy good. your trip. Either way, either way, you're going to have access to a lot of uh, remedy members and uh, yeah, and folks like maybe that. I'll do something like that. So uh, hey, love you, brother. Love you too. You take care. Take care. We'll talk again next time. All right. All right. See you. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.